Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, actually, I should start singing by saying, do you know what today is? It's my anniversary. You care. It's my two-year anniversary with Superman. Congratulations. (laughs) I know. We had like a really serious financial talk about money, rings, all that kind of stuff. We even were looking online. It was kind of awkward. Like, hey, this is the kind of ring I like. And he's like, do you know wedding rings can cost a lot of money? I'm like... (laughs) I'm like, oh, babe, yes. I mean, but I told him, don't go crazy. I was like, you know, simple is best. Don't go crazy. He's like, I've been saving, but sheesh. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to, you know. Do you think it's more nerve wracking when you know it's coming? Like I have a friend right now whose Mm -hmm. um, boyfriend has basically told her parents it's going to be happening. And we are both just like, but when? It's like really, it's stressful not knowing the when. Yeah, honestly, I guess maybe if I was like in my 20s, but now at 36, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know that people really have too many surprise engagements. I feel like, you know, you kind of at a certain age coming. Yeah. Or just on the same page. Like, so, you know, what are we doing? Okay, we're getting married. We, you know, because we talked about it even before we started dating seriously about how many years, you know, do you think it, you know, you, you should get to know each other. I knew him for a while, but we weren't dating. So we were like two. And so we're at our two year mark. So I wasn't really surprised when he, cause we talk about marriage and stuff a lot, but yeah, just like, but he'd never really asked my interest in a ring before. And I was like, look at you. And then last night he was like, do you want one of your gifts early? I almost peed my pants. And I was like, <laughs> that's what I mean. Every little thing you're like, is it now? If he like starts to bend over to tie his shoe, do you think, oh my God, it's happening? Like, <laughs> I know. I almost peed my pants. And he like went to the car to get it. I was like, oh my God, I'm in my sweatpants. What should I do? What should I do? I don't want to be in my sweatpants. And he came back with perfume, which was lovely. But I was like, oh. see, this is what I mean. You said every little thing. Now you're going to be wondering if it's the ring. Well, I, I'll, I'll send out good vibes to the universe. That's yeah. actually the perfect um, setup for our guest today on the show. We're on a roll with good guests. We are. So I met this woman, I, I was asked to, to moderate a panel for this group called Savvy Ladies, which I've heard about, but never liked work with them before. And let me just tell you, there I, I can't think of a, a nonprofit um, group that I work with recently that's doing better work for women with their finances than the Savvy Ladies. And it's all because of today's guest. Her name is Stacey Francis. Um, she is just a financial guru in her own right, a CFP, a CDFA, all the different acronyms of financial prowess. Um, she's also like a divorce doctor is what I've sort of called her. 
because not only does she work with her clients are mostly high powered, successful women, um, but she's also helping them navigate mostly in a lot of cases divorce, which, you know, I speak from personal experience can be super nasty. And especially when it comes to money, I mean, money is one of the leading causes of divorces and then dealing with the, all the financial sort of fallout after a divorce is awful. So Stacy and her team um, sort of help women through that process. So we got Stacy on the show today and she's sharing tips on how to uh, deal with money relationships, mistakes you can make before and after a divorce. And she somehow convinced me that a prenup can be romantic. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't fully convinced about the romance part, but it's definitely something that I think is essential. I've I've talked about it with Superman, like it jokingly though, you know, but like jokingly kidding kinda, just to kind of get a feel for where he was with it all. And I don't know, he kind of jokingly was like, "Yeah, I'm fine, maybe not." So I don't know where we stand. <laughs> I think when you put the paper in front of somebody and the big words on top say prenuptial agreement, then I think then it becomes like, "What am I signing?" Then. I think I think you know, and you listen to the interview with Stacy later. But I feel like it's really important to have like that that bad guy you can blame, like the lawyer or the financial advisor, and just like, listen, I don't want to do this either. But my stupid financial advisor just really thinks we should do this, and that's how you get them like on board. Yeah, well, I'll, you just I'll trick let, them into it. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> just trick them. That's what Stacy said. And that's not what she said. I know. <laughs> But before we chat with Stacy, let's uh let's get let's get through the important some parts. Some of our buzzworthy. Show. Some well, buzzes. I would say, uh, did you see that Sesame Street has their first um Muslimina in a hijab for Sesame Street? I thought it was I so did. she's so I think cute. Zari, right? Is that her name? Zari? As Z A R R R I something like that? I forget her name. But I live, yeah. you know, they're just really cute um family in my in my in my building, in my apartment building, and the little girls, um, uh, the little girls are, I forget where they're from. Oh, my God. I'm such a bad person. But I know they are the Muslim faith, and they do wear the traditional sort of head garments. And I just know these little girls will be so excited to see a Muppet, or sorry, a, a Sesame Street character who looks just <laughs> like them. Yeah, I just thought that was so great. I was like, go ahead, Sesame Street. Sesame Street has always been like... Ab- like above the curve or like before the curve is that I don't I, I sound like my dad not totally getting like American sayings wrong like through the curb through <laughs> the curb <laughs> but whatever that saying is I just love the set the fact that Sesame Street is always like you know shared and and kind of exposed children to different things through through their uh, programming this is like them saying F.E. Voldemort and we all know who Voldemort is exactly she who must not be named or elected <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly um, yeah, that was super cute. I uh, I shared this today on the Brown Ambition Facebook page, which you should totally go and like and follow us there. Um, but the the video that's going viral right now, it's this like it's a, it's a mini documentary on women in uh, China who are single. Mm. Have you watched it yet? No, but I saw I saw I said to myself I was asking myself, are you emotionally ready for this right now, Tiffany? Because I'm a crybaby and I just don't know if I can. <laughs> It is a little bit of a tearjerker at the end, but I had no idea. I mean, you hear about, I mean, obviously a lot of, um, a lot of other countries, including the U S for a long time, you know, being a single woman, there's a stigma surrounding it, but in, I didn't realize in China, there's actually a word for it. It's called Shang Nu, S H E N G Shang Nu, which literally translates to wet leftover women. It's just so terrible. So it's bad enough when you go home for the holidays and your uncle's like, girl, why aren't you married yet? You're going to be single forever. You're gonna be like a bag lady. Um, but then to be called like a leftover woman, like leftovers are what you don't eat. 
Oh, the, don't want the not delicious food that you did not eat. That's and, just wrong. And, and that's the connotation that like this, you are unwanted. And honestly, it just, it just sucks. I just wish it's almost like that. You, like your parents and your aunts and uncles forget, forget what it's like to be young or younger because like, why would that be okay? You know? And I always think to myself, I hope and I pray that when I get, you know, older that I don't do that to young people like where's your boyfriend you don't have a husband what are you gonna do well just make go go ahead ahead. I was gonna say it makes you feel bad and what I like is you don't really I don't know you don't hear so often from like Asian women Asian American women even these women look like they're all I think they're all from China not even American but speaking about this and one of the things I also didn't know was that there's things called a marriage market which exists in China. It's, it's a marriage market and it's where parents leave posters listing the details of their unmarried daughters and sons. I think it's mostly daughters though, in hopes that someone's going to walk by and like pick out their picture and like say they want to marry them. Wow. Isn't that nuts? It's like, it's like the classifieds, but if the classifieds were giant hanging pictures in a conference room. You know, it's just so crazy, but it's like, well, China, like, it, because of that one child rule and everybody wanting to have, wait, I thought they were, I thought they, I thought that China had an overabundance of boys and not enough girls. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of those places where, um, I mean, they recently ended their one child policy, we can say that. But yeah, I mean, there's, and it's not just China, but a lot of cultures, like, girls are seen as less than. So girls are more likely to be put up for adoption and to be aborted in, in places like China. And so there is. There's a, like, there's more men than women. So. Um, and yet that, so the men are just not getting married. I guess that's the case. Or maybe the, I think what's, you know, you could look at it that way. But I feel like the women in the video especially were just saying that they don't want to get married. Why should they have to get married? You know, okay. why does marriage have to be the only path? Um, there's women who say that, you know, it's it's pretty empowering. They just say, you know, I'm happy being single. I want to be viewed as something as more than, you know, just my purpose is to get married and to have a family. Um, yeah. And you sort of see there's a there's like at the end, the parents. So at the I mean, spoiler alert, but at the, <laughs> at the end of the video, a lot the women in the video. So instead of making the posters, listing their details and like, you know, hanging them up at this marriage market, they make a poster themselves and they say, you know, they have a quote saying why they don't want to get married or why they feel empowered in, sing- in their singlehood. Um, and their parents sort of walk by and read them. And you see a lot of moms and dads kind of choking up because for the first time they're seeing their daughter like actually, you know, try and be confident in her, in her singlehood. And, uh, I don't know. I thought it was pretty empowering. It's just so crazy. I was thinking that the other day, like the other day I posted a picture of me and Superman. I hadn't posted one in a while on Facebook just because we got new phones and it was like the the camera was so great. We were practicing and the picture turned out so cute. I was like, Oh, let me post it. It got so like the response was honestly almost it it was so much like the response was really positive, but I just remember thinking like, yo, when I posted like a, a an accomplishment in my business, I didn't get this response, but because, oh my God, Tiffany has a man. What? Like, I just, I was almost not offended, but just kind of disappointed that this means more than like me busting my behind and working hard in my business and growing it. Like the pick, the fact that I'm like next to a man in the picture and we're together, you know? You know, I, I think I talked about that before. I went to like a happy hour and I it was right after I had gotten engaged and we were I hadn't seen these friends in a long time and we were all catching up. Everybody wanted to talk to me about getting engaged. They were all like, Show me the ring. Oh my god, congratulations. 
And my friend had just her her uh, husband had just told me she got this major promotion. She works for a huge media broadcast company. Okay. And I looked at her and I was like, she's the one everyone should be talking to and like you know hounding. I mean, I really I was really appreciative of the congratulations, but I felt like I I weirdly felt sort of embarrassed for myself and then like that she was I was getting more attention than her and I felt like in that case like why aren't we celebrating her as much as me for yeah I don't think I got engaged yay but it didn't like it's not like I worked you know really hard for it yeah it's almost like it's a it's people use your ability to attract and get a mate to commit to like who you are as a person and like what that means about you you know it's like, and no matter, I could be super successful and like have started a billion dollar company at age 35. And, but if I was not married and did not have kids, people would always still kind of like preface it or say afterwards, yeah, but it's not like she's got anybody, you know, like, well, why, why does that matter? Or like, how does that take away from accomplishment? And how does, you know, of course I, I want to get married. I love, you know, Superman, but how is marriage the biggest accomplishment a woman can 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 aspire to? You know, oh, I saw you just like my picture. I didn't like it. I reacted <laughs> to it with an angry face. You're welcome. <laughs> there you go. You want a different reaction? There you go. No, maybe I'll do the sad face. <laughs> no, but you know what? I like. I said, I of course you want people to be happy for you, but I guess it's just a little disheartening that in this day and age, women are still. Um, you will still get more. I don't know, accolades for having a relationship than you will for for some sort of pro- yeah. professional accomplishment. I think we all just have, we harbor this romantic, you know, little selves. We just, it's like celebrities. Like you love to see celebrity couples. They're so cute. You love to see people being happy. Um, I think there's like a, just a genuine, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know. It's like a, it's an emotion we all sort of share when we see a happy couple. I think it's universally just like, I mean, unless you're like super bitter, you're like, oh, gross. But it's just easy to, easy to love that. And, and, um, but I will say, Tiff, you did mention that you do not post a lot of photos of you and Superman because he doesn't like it. So this may be a case of like supply and demand. <laughs> this is true. Like, like they were just so thirsting for these <laughs> images of this person. Maybe they didn't think he was real. I know. Right? You don't post about him. <laughs> like, I know. I only don't because I was just like, even he, like when I posted it, we took a picture. I said, isn't that so cute? He was like, don't post it. I was like, why? You were not friends on Facebook now anyway. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> So I posted it and I was like, look at the reaction. And I was like, some of the women, especially on Instagram, I'm like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. Oh, he's fine. I'm like, see, he said, see, disrespect. <laughs> That's what you get when you post pictures. Because I guess, I don't know. I mean, I, I know what it is. Is that I mean, because I'm like that too. When I see pictures of like women that I respect and they have a, a boo, I'm like, oh, that's great. Because to me, it means that they're, they have a well-rounded life. And it's like so terrible that I think that like, why can't you have a well-rounded life? If you don't have a significant other, you could still be happy. You know, well, it's our job. Well, we're we fail at this because I know. Because <laughs> we're like we're, we're like happily in relationships, and I can't wait to get married, and I can't wait to get my ring. You're right. <sighs> yeah, don't- but you know what? I mean, not to belabor the point, but I've I um maybe this is revealing too much, but I feel like sometimes I'm self conscious about the fact that I'm engaged, and I don't want to be a like sound like annoying or I I hear the eyes rolling you know, around the country right now. But I feel like what I'm trying to say is I feel self-conscious that I, I sort of never expected myself to get engaged. And I always thought I would be this like single woman really owning her singleness and being, and I always considered myself to be so independent. And for me, it sort of feels like whenever I say I'm engaged, I always kind of say it with like a little embarrassed, like, oh, I'm engaged, but like, 
I'm not, you know, I'm still independent, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, I think what we just need is more, are more examples of, of both. Like we talked about before, like more examples and more, you know, ha- be happy for people who have found love and are in relationships, but then don't judge people so harshly if they haven't yeah. and assume that they are struggling in some way. Cause there's so many women out there who are, who are not, who are totally happy and, and, and confident in their, in being single. Exactly. 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 So what about, what about that young woman? Um, uh, right out of is she is she from the Bronx? The young woman um who got into all the Ivy League schools? I've been seeing her face all over my Facebook feed. All I over. It. But like for weeks. For weeks now. Her name oh you know what? I'm looking at her name. She is totally Nigerian. I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> her name was like Uwamazu Nana. And you know what? She's Evo too. Whoop, my tribe. But yeah, all Ivy League schools. That is so amazing. Can you imagine? No, I cannot because I did not get into Ivy League schools. (laughs) Not even one. I was like, yeah, I didn't even apply. I was like, let's not waste this ink. (laughs) I really regret not applying. You know, I I let my mother talk me out of applying to Columbia when I was in school because she said that colleges, it was just too expensive. You know, she went online and checked the tuition and it was like $50,000 for out-of-state tuition or something insane like that. Um, and I decided not even to apply. And I always regret that because what I've sort of learned through this job is how often um, parents and their kids pay much less than the sticker price for tuition, especially at these Ivy League schools, because they have such large endowments. And if you have a really good academic record and you are a minority, then you can qualify for a lot of aid. And I feel like my mom and I, you know, we just didn't have any experience or knowledge. And I wish that you know, we had known because I could have, I could have, I mean, I'm happy with my education. I, I graduated with like knows, you know, very little student debt, but at the same time, I think you should know that there's, there are, there is a possibility that you won't spend as much. Um, and Ivy League colleges don't have to cost, you know, they don't automatically mean six figure debt. Yeah. No. And then you, I think about how much like just scholarships I missed out on not really applying. Cause I thought like, well, I'm not going to get it. Mm-hmm. I just wish I knew. You know how you just wish, like, oh, if I knew better, I would have done better. But we're here now. Perspective. So we're telling you, don't underestimate your own, you know, like, don't undersell yourself. Whether it's, like, a job application or scholarship. You know, all those studies that show that women are less likely to apply for a job if they don't tick all the boxes. Exactly. What? Skills. Like, because you just never know. Like, my sister, I mean, she's had some amazing jobs. And jobs that she was supposed to have a master's degree for, she didn't have hers yet. Um, she would just always go for it. And I remember during the height of the recession, she's like the only person I know that left her job and got a job paying her $20,000 more during that height of the recession, because she would always, always just go for it. And she kind of taught me not to be afraid to just kind of say, I can do this job. I, I might not have everything in this box requires, but I know when I get in this interview, I can impress you and do this job. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you see Hillary Clinton and the, there's some controversy. This isn't really like financial related, but just because since I just saw this and Bill, Bill de Blasio was just here at the office interviewing with Katie Kirk today. Okay. Um, but he was here and I was looking him up online and apparently he and Hillary like did a like a skit with on the Hamilton with the Hamilton cast or something like that, where he announced he was endorsing her for the candidacy. And, you know, he's taken so long to endorse her. Obviously, Hillary is like of New York. She was a senator here for many years. So they were trying to make a joke out of how long it took de Blasio to endorse her. And they decided to do that by um, Hillary is kind of like, what took you so long, Bill? And Bill says, sorry, Hillary, I was on CP time. Mm. And then Hillary's like, 
Don't worry, that doesn't mean colored people. That means cautious politician time. Uh, I'm going to need you to stay away from racial Yeah, I don't know who, who I really want. Like, was it the Hamilton writers, the Lin-Manuel Miranda? I think that was funny. Did they? I know. I can't imagine them sitting down and writing that joke. Someone I just think that. they played her. Like, honestly, they knew she was going to be dragged. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. like that's somebody key king in the background. Like, let's let's tell her to say this. Let's tell her to, that it's totally fine. No one's going to care. Like, they played her because there's nobody of color who's going to listen to that joke come from Hillary Clinton and think, tee hee hee, isn't that hilarious? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we all know CP time, just yes. like. IP time, Indian people time, DP time, whatever the different P, t- like the times of the different yeah. people, like it's okay to say it so long as you are of that culture yeah. is what I feel like. Yeah, it is. Honestly, you're right. I, I, yeah. <laughs> wow. They, there's, there's a grain of truth in every stereotype is what I'm saying, but like. Yeah, for sure. Because there. No, the, no, no. Yes. I was going to say there is definitely CP time. Like let's not, let's brown folks, let's not act like we're not late. But to have someone else say that is totally different. It's like, you know, me talking about like, Maybe like redneck culture or whatever. I don't even know. I'm sure I'm sure redneck is even a bad word. I'm sorry if it is. If that's like a derogatory term. But like, you know, and so, but like I don't know. So it's like it's just best for me not to even go there because that's not my culture. So I'm not informed enough to know how to make jokes that are not gonna be offensive. And then it's not me, so it is gonna be offensive. Well, they learned. They learned today. You're gonna learn today, Hillary. <laughs> I wish we had a song like brown break, brown boost, brown break, brown boost, brown break, brown boost. Like we should have like a little like hip hop like rendition of brown break, brown boost. Uh, but that's not in our budget right now. <laughs> our budget of zero. Negative operating income. So you're you're free to, you know, I'll hire you to sing it. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think of something. You know, don't get me started. I'll get one of these kids from around the way to put a little, you know, to put a little, you know, I mean, not me, but somebody. So brown break, brown boost time. Are you breaking or boosting? I need a break today. I try and stay positive, but um, my brown break today because I've seen this happen. And I was just, I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine about this. Um, how when she's in the office, um, she has one job which is you know very specific and what she does. But her, she has a manager who constantly sort of walks by her desk and just dumps crap on it. Um, like, can you do this for me? Schedule this appointment, set up this conference room, do this, do X, Y, Z, like stuff that you would expect from a secretary or, you know, an, an assistant. And she's not that, that's not her job description. And we were just talking the other day and she's like, how do I tell him to stop putting this extra junk on me? And, you know, there's plenty of other people she works with who could be doing it. And so she's worried that it's like, he doesn't respect her or it's just like a, a sexist thing where she's, you know, the closest female and he wants to just dump it on her. She's also like 25. So that could oh, yeah, play into it. Sure. So she sort of feels like, you know, she's in this like, oh, I'm, I'm young. And maybe he's like, you know, disrespecting or not taking me as seriously as everyone else. And her coworkers are, are much older. You know, remember that, that story that Farnoosh told us? Um, it does remind me. Remember she, I forgot she was working for, for, some TV studio and her coworker, an older guy was treating her um, like was always just like ragging on her. And she was young at the time. I think she was in her twenties as well. 
And I, she confronted him, but like in a kind of like passive aggressive sort of way, but still she confronted him and it stopped. And honestly, it's not, he's not going to, your coworker is not going to magically just wake up. You know, this like, is a manager though. That's what makes it trickier. Ooh. It's trickier when it's a manager. But, um, so I guess my brown break here is just from being treated like the office secretary, just because you're young and a woman. And I told her this was sort of my advice. And I, I haven't had this happen to me as much as it's happening to her from one person, but there's like little micro aggressive ways that men in the office treat you differently, especially being younger. But I told her, um, to ha- arrange a meeting with him, like actually sit down and, and have a meeting with him and say, you know, I feel like I'm being asked to do things that are, you know, beyond my everyday duties. And I, and I just wonder, um, if we, c- if you can, uh, take that into consideration, more often and, and not ask me to do things that are, you know, not within my, my duties. I'm happy to help whenever I can, but it's taking away from the work that I'm, I'm actually here to do and to say that in a respectful way. And I, and I feel like that's okay. I don't think it's the kind of conversation where if, you know, unless they're a complete jerk, I don't think it's the kind of conversation where they can be, get upset, you know? Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah, a conversation just needs to be had because you just don't want slowly to be seething every time. That's what was happening. Yeah, she was like constantly complaining about it. And I'm just like, well, you need to do something about it. Stand up for yourself. Of course, the danger there is, oh, you stand up for yourself. And then you're like, oh, she's just a bitch. Yeah. She's demanding. Or, oh, she's not a team player. Oh, gosh. Yes, definitely a good. That's a good break to have a break from all the things that they tell you ought to be as a woman. You have to be sweet. You have to be gentle. You have to be gentle and polite while everybody else gets to be whatever they want to you. Just say that's not my job. And the best way to gain respect, I mean, is just to do the work better than anybody else, honestly. And if your manager is such an asshole that they don't respect you, then maybe it's time to work somewhere else. Because I feel like you really can't change people, especially if they're stuck in their ways. Just leave. Just get out of there. Exactly. I agree. Let's see. Should I take a break or a boost? A break or a boost? You know what? I'm going to take a boost. I'm going to get a brown boost for the kind of weekend I had. For the first time in six months, I had like the most chill weekend ever. I literally did nothing. I think I took like three, three hour naps. I started walking again because I was telling my trainer, she gave me really great advice. So I'm not in the shape that I want to be. You know, I'm not like big but I'm not and then it's not even I want to lose so much weight it's just that I just want to be snatched darn it I want to be snatched <laughs> anyway I'm not and so my trainer was like you know I was because I hadn't seen her in so long because I was working on projects and she said you know Tiffany like if you put half as much work or even a quarter of as much work as you do into your business into your body then you would see like a difference you know and she's like, you can't pretend like you're lazy or you don't have the time. She's like, you know, people make time for what's important. You make time for the things that you want as it relates to your business. And I said, you know what? She's right. And so since then, you know, she's like, even if you just walk, Tiffany, like I actually like walking. And she was like, just walk and just get out of the house and do something. So she started sending me at-home exercises, like run up the stairs five times and do push-ups and sit-ups, stuff I can do in the house. And the last three days, I've been going for walks. And before I know it, I used the, the Nike um, Fit app, Nike running app. I've been walking two miles a day. And it's, it felt like nothing. I listened to my favorite music or I talked to one of my friends. And, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes later, I'm back home feeling relaxed. And so I just want to boost to, like, I don't know, to relaxation. I feel so good and energized. Yeah, it's hard to walk when you, like, work from home. Yeah, it's hard to, to get – well, because it's just so easy to, like, literally not do anything except mm-hmm. for roll out of bed and onto your computer. But, no, today I was like, Tiffany, 
I don't care if you walk in your pajamas, get out. <laughs> just get out of the house. And so it's best for me. I learn to just walk in the morning as soon as I get up, brush my teeth. Like I'll try to go to sleep. I'll take a shower and I take, go to sleep in my like tights and t-shirt, like what I want to walk in. So that way there's no excuse, sneakers by the bed. And then I'm like, just get up, slip your, your sneakers on, brush your teeth and go for a walk. All right, Brown Ambition family, we are really excited to have today's guest with us. Her name is Stacy Francis. She is a financial powerhouse. I've gotten to know Stacy a little bit through um, some work I've done with Savvy Ladies, which is an organization she founded, a nonprofit that's helped over 12,000 women make better choices about their finances. Um, but that's just her side gig. Uh, for her full-time job, Stacy's the president of CEO of Fran- Francis Financial, a fee-only boutique wealth management financial planning and divorce financial financial planning firm based here in New York City. Um, She gives remarkable, high-achieving women and couples in transition um, advice on how to to move on and move through uh, what can be a pretty difficult time um, when they're going through a divorce. So Stacey, thank you so much, first of all, for coming on Brown Ambition. Yeah, Stacey, we're glad to have you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. So Tiffany and I talk a lot about ourselves in this show and, and a lot about how we uh, just sort of the, the issues we have with money in our relationships and how we sort of navigate that. So I wanted to start off with the off the bat. And, and, and since you work with women going through divorce, um, what are some of the mistakes you find that women make as they're sort of navigating that period? Well, going through the divorce process, um, the biggest thing that I see is that a lot of women don't realize that a big piece of divorce is really about the money. Mm. And the more educated you are about money, the smarter decisions you're going to make. The biggest mistake I see is that women are not truly understanding what money they really have. I know that that sounds absurd of, of not really getting or really understanding what accounts you have or even how much much money you have in the bank, but we do see that, particularly in couples that have been married for many years. And why does that happen? Well, you know, it typically happens because, you know, as a couple, you have many things to do and you divide and conquer. So she takes and does certain things in the family household and he does certain things as well. And typically what we see is that he's the one that's really taking care of the finances and the one that really has essentially the power of knowing where all the money's going and where all the money's at. Do you think that happens more often now than it has in the past? I mean, you, you sort of see that women are becoming more independent. They're, um, women are uh, more likely today be the, to be the breadwinners in the household. Do you think things are getting better there or if we're still struggling with that? I have to say there are more women definitely becoming breadwinners and Because of that, we're seeing more women uh, take control of the money, which which is great. But I think there's a long way that we have to go yet, a long way. Uh, For a lot of women, once they get married, that man becomes their financial plan. And even though I myself am very, very strong in my own finances, I will tell you in my 20s, I kind of was looking for a knight in shining armor. Um, coming and and scooping me up so I never had any financial worries for the rest of my life. Um, I got smart and I realized that even if I was to get married, um, ultimately my own financial security, it's it's all about me. 
and it's not going to be someone else making me feel financially secure. So we, we do have a ways to go yet, but I do think we're going in the right direction. So with that being said, then Stacey, actually, I was fortunate, well, that I didn't have any brothers because I think that if my parents, especially my father, had had sons, he wouldn't ta have taught my four sisters and I about money. Um, I think he was really worried about who was going to take care of his girls. So he taught us about money in our household. So what would you suggest young women do um, to protect themselves with the money they've earned once they enter into a more committed relationship? That's a great Great question, Tiffany. Um, a couple things I would say is that you need to know what your money is doing for you in the marriage. And what that means is if you're bringing money to the marriage and then you use that money to buy a home and put both of your names on that, it could be construed, Tiffany, that you just gave them a gift. Mm. When, you know, in reality, you had no intention of that whatsoever. I just got a, a email from a savvy lady asking a question, asking a question specifically about should I pay off my my soon to be husband's one hundred fifty thousand dollars of student loans because it's giving us a, a cost of an extra thousand dollars a month. I said, well, probably not the best use of your money, and no matter what, if you are bringing money to the marriage or if you're worried about um, protecting your financial future. A prenup is is a really good way to go. And I know as soon as I said prenup, probably both of you guys made a face. And Mandy no, I'm, and I'm curious. Yes. I'm, about, I'm about to get married. Tell me what I need to know. You know, prenups don't actually have to be unromantic. Um, prenups are really important, especially if you've been married before. If someone has children, you want to protect those children. If you're bringing assets to the marriage. Um, if one person is very, 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 um, very wealthy and the other is not, uh, especially if one of you plans to give up your career, um, and even if you don't know whether or not you are going to do that, a prenup really protects you. And that prenup is going to really spell out if things weren't to work for some reason, what is going to be a situation where you both are going to be comfortable. You're both going to be financially secure. It doesn't have to cover everything. It could be that in that prenup, it only says that, you know, what he brought to the marriage is his and what I brought to my marriage um, to the marriage is mine. And you spell out what those assets are and you make that very clear. Or you could have it be very, very detailed. In fact, there was one prenup that I read that, um, bless him, he said that if if she gains more than 30 pounds, I have, you know, the right to uh, divorce her and not give her maintenance. Well, oh, guess what? That's oh that's illegal. Um, <laughs> you can't really say that. There are laws, of course, uh, for New York State that says what individuals are entitled to. And, and I didn't feel so bad for that gentleman um, being told that what he was saying was not going to really stand up in court because anyone that would say that would be pretty much a jerk anyway. So, yeah. Uh, but prenups can be a good thing because it's going to force you to talk about money. Most couples, they don't talk about money and it becomes the number one reason why couples split. So talking about money and really understanding what does financial security mean to you? What does it mean to um, you know your future spouse? What is your money history? How do you think about money? 
How does he or she think about money? Really important. And if you're on the same page with money, I can guarantee that their chances of your union being successful for the long term is also going to be much higher. Can I ask you real quick on the prenup thing? I mean, what does that actually entail? Is it expensive? Do you have to hire a lawyer? How long is the process taken? And at what point in your relationship before you get married should that come up? Great question. So three different things that you asked. Number one, do you need a lawyer? Number two, is it expensive? And number three, when should you do this? So do you need a lawyer? Yes, you do. Um, but it doesn't have to be expensive. It could be that you guys are completely on the same page. You've drafted something up already saying what's his is his, what's mine is mine, and whatever that is. And you give that to your lawyer. Your lawyer you know, makes tweaks. You give it to his or her lawyer, um, if you, depending on um, if you're marrying same sex or not, and they make their tweaks and then you're all set and it could even come to less than $1,000. It could even be less than that. The point where you start to see the expenses going up are when you're not on the same page and you're having to go back and forth. I do see this if someone is springing this up right before the marriage. So that third question of when should you do this, um, the earlier the better, because you don't want to you know, give a document like this to your future significant other if you're a couple days out from your wedding. Um, they could be essentially signing it under what's called duress, and that can actually challenge the legality of this document. Um, I actually worked on a case where um, the husband signed this document and the wife did not provide a translator and it was in a language that he did not speak. Wow. A good example of it not being held up. So you, in court, so you really do want to make sure that there's plenty of time. Um, you know, worse comes to worse, essentially blame your financial planner, um, or blame your lawyer saying, you know, this is not something I want to do, but it's something that I'm being told I need to do. Oh, just and the bad guy. Exactly. <laughs> like, and, oh, it's so lame, but like, they really want to have a and prenup. We, oh. <laughs> we regularly play that, that bad guy. Um, but essentially it's something that needs to be done. I would say today, even more so than years ago, just because life is complicated and, you know, our families get complicated and also our assets can be complicated. Right. And I mean, women are getting married so much later now. Well, I mean, 29 is the average age. And at that point you have a career and you maybe have a little bit on the side that you want to protect. You mentioned earlier though, um, the same page, which sounds really fun and like <laughs> idealistic, but so many times we get a lot of questions from people that listen to the show and they want to know, I want this thing, but my husband or partner doesn't want it. And he wants that thing. Like, what do I do? How do I handle that? Um, how do you go about getting on the same page with your partner when you aren't on the same page? I mean, is it worth, is it a risk for the whole relationship just because you can't decide on what you want financially? That's a really good question, and it's actually one that that I dealt with myself. My husband and I almost ended up breaking up years ago. We've been together now 16 years, 
and it was because of money. I'm very good at talking about money and he's good at talking about it too. But we were coming from such different upbringings around money that we were kind of like passing like two ships in the night. We did a couple things that we found to be really helpful. Uh, I will be honest, we went to a couples therapist and she was able to show that you know, my freak out about him buying Vente lattes was maybe a little overboard and that, <laughs> um, you know, the fact that I would only buy a tall, you know, plain, boring coffee didn't necessarily make me a saint. And she was also able to talk to him that, you know, savings is in like a 401k or a savings account or a brokerage account. It's not buying a, you know, a Lamborghini. So if that gives you any idea of how different our thought process is about money, it helped us also just go back to why I am so, so cheap with money and why I get so scared. And I explained because I, you know, seen what happens when you don't have money in my family. And then for him, for him, you know, he has a dollar he spends too. He was able to show in his upbringing, what really brought him to that, that if you have money, enjoy it now because you could die anytime and bless, you didn't use your money. So that helped. And we also did a really interesting system called the Your, Mine, and Ours account. So he has his own fun, fun account. I have my own fun, fun account that we can spend whatever we want every single month. Uh, we each get $500. And then we have the hours account and that's the account where we make big purchases together. And how do we decide what purchases we make? Well, we have date nights and we do a financial date night once a month where we talk about big things like how much are we saving into the kids education plan? Are we going to go on vacation this year? Um, we recently bought a boat and we had many date nights talking about the boat mm -hmm. of you know, what could we afford? What would the cost be going ongoing? Was this something we both wanted? Um, but I would say those are the three things. You know, for us, we were so different. A therapist really helped us. The yours, mine, our account, and then also those uh, monthly financial date nights. I like the yours, mine, our account. Is that what you do too, Mandy? Uh, not yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> we, I do that with my, with my um, boo, Superman, aka Superman. We, we give uh, our, our honeys like a secret name since they don't always listen, but they might. So, you know, <laughs> but yeah, so we do yours, mine and ours. And it's, it works because he was probably like your hubby and I'm so much like you super frugal. I grew up in a household where it wasn't because I was taught to be afraid of money. I don't know. My parents were just really tight and I just became like the five-year-old tightwad and it just, <laughs> it just became part of my personality. <laughs> And he's super generous. I mean, he's like the one all the little kids outside love because he buys everybody bikes for their birthdays, whether he kind of knows you or not, and buys everybody ice cream in the summer. And it was trying to balance like, okay, you being super generous with me being super tight. And, you know, and we finally found, I would say a happy medium where he's understanding, you know, about savings. And I've learned how to like loosen up a bit. Yep. I'm glad yeah, that it, I'm glad that you're honest about the the counselor that you guys went to because I feel like couples don't talk about what they you know like if you need couples counseling to get through a financial like disagreement or something like that I mean 
And also the fact that the whole saint thing, like, <laughs> well, and I, and I, I suffer from this too, where I'm like, well, I save this much amount of month per month, or, you know, I save this much per month and I'm so great with my money. So I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. <laughs> yes. That does not go over so well yes. with a grown man with the college degree <laughs> and the master's. Nope. <laughs> I remember I had to stop being like the nag. I'm like, oh gosh, Tiffany, like it's not that serious. Like if the bills are paid, I finally had to do a checklist in my head. Bills are paid, retirement saved, college fund is being funded and like regular saving is saved, vacation account is being funded. Shit, you can't control every last penny, you know? And so, yeah, you just have to learn and everyone's different. You know, sometimes it's the woman who's the overspender. So just learning kind of like a happy medium. I, I think extremes are where the danger lies. Yeah, it's the extremes. And and I have to say, Tiffany, what you did is a great idea of, and actually this is what worked best for us, is if we're hitting our savings goal each year, like who cares where the money's going? I mean, ideally illegal, you know, legal, you know, not <laughs> not, not on prostitutes, right? But um, but if we're hitting our savings goals, heck, that's that's fabulous. Then let's have the venti latte. Then let's do it. Go crazy. Exactly. Yeah, I might even get some whipped cream on that. Does that whipped come with cream cream? on top? You got it. <laughs> well, not to be a Debbie Downer, but you know, personally, <laughs> personally, I grew up. I mean, my parents were divorced. I've, you know, my, uh, I've, my examples of of what a marriage can be have been not that great. And I wanted to know. I've and I've watched my mother go through a divorce and. I've, you know, watched other women make mistakes. And I wonder, since you have sort of a front row seat to this, Stacey, after, you know, things don't work out, don't work out, you decide to divorce. What are some financial mistakes you see your clients make um, in those first sort of first few weeks or months after a divorce? Um, Good question. I would say there's three in particular. Number one, not getting smart about their financial picture, you know, right after you start the divorce process or ideally before, collect as much data as you can so that you know your full picture. That means all the assets, what you're spending, and also, you know, what what's money coming in as far as all that income. So that would be the, the biggest mistake. I, I see people just say, hey, I want to get a divorce, not doing the background. And sometimes getting that information once the process starts is a little bit harder. Um, number two, not removing your name from joint accounts. So if you have a joint checking or joint savings, uh, your spouse can clear that money out. Mm. If you have a joint credit card, your spouse could rack up $30,000 of debt. And who cares if you're getting divorced, according to the credit card company, they have a contract with you. And if he's not paying it back, then um, unfortunately, you might be on the hook to pay it back. So getting your name off as many joint things as as possible is is really important. Um, And then the other thing is uh, really getting clear about what support you need. Very few people can you know, get through the process of, of divorce on their own. And the biggest piece we see women saying that they suffered from through the process is that they didn't have enough support. And it's more than just having girlfriends or family members. It's also having that knowledgeable financial, that knowledgeable legal, and 
my gosh, if you don't have a therapist, um, you definitely need a therapist or a divorce coach as well. That's really important because a, a divorce is not a sprint. Unfortunately, it's more like a marathon and it does take a while. It can be super nasty. But, and you mentioned the call, I mean, just the asking for help and knowing where to go. And that's where I feel like your work with Savvy Ladies is so important. And I wondered if you can talk a little bit about that. Because you literally give, you know, you have a hotline. Anyone can call at any time and ask whatever sort of questions they have. And you'll connect them to to people who know. Is that right? Exactly. And Mandy, the reason why I started Savvy Ladies is because my grandmother did not get divorced. She married my grandfather when she was young. She was 19. And she stayed with him till she was in her 80s. When she died, I actually started the charity in her honor because she stayed with him despite the verbal, despite the emotional, and the, despite the physical abuse because of money. And because of her, we have this amazing organization now that I started when I was 27, so about 14 years ago. And we've worked with 12,000 women. We have 70 programs, both online and we have a archive of 70 different um, actual workshops that you can listen to online, everything you can imagine about money. And then also we have live events here in New York City. What I'm most proud of is what you mentioned, Mandy, and that is uh, that we have a helpline. So you can email uh, or visit the website www.savvyladies.org or give us a call and we'll match you up with a certified financial planner or a certified divorce financial analyst. Uh, to answer whatever questions you might have. And we have 50 volunteers that are phenomenal and it's all free of charge. Wow. So you can talk to them for a half hour phone call and take your questions that you have and get real personal confidential information. So my question is, is it only for women in New York or this area or can women across the nation call in? We have women calling from all over, and even our online, pro online programming, we have the Wednesday Wisdom Series, and that means, Tiffany, every Wednesday at noon, we have a different speaker. This week, it's actually perfect because we have an upcoming speaker that's going to be talking about divorce and uh, divorce support, but we talk about many different topics other than just divorce. So we'll talk about how to invest in your 401k, how to negotiate the corner office, how to um, you know, get real about your budget, how to start saving, um, even things that are icky like insurance, but we kind of need to know. So it's for across the nation. And we actually, we have people who um, participate from all over the world. Those are webcast. Yep. So those are all webcast and we record them all. And so we have an archive of about 70 um, and we are doing live ones actually each week. So every Wednesday, the Wednesday Wisdom Series. And again, all of the programming we do is free of charge. It's to help women make smart decisions about money. And it's my way of helping women who um, they may not be in an abusive relationship, but they can live a better life and the way you live a better life is, is feeling more financially secure and knowing more about your money. Oh, and you can find all that at SavvyLadies.org, right? Exactly. All the information's right there. And um, you guys always also can reach out to me. My, my email is Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at SavvyLadies.com. So you can always reach me there, too. Oh, giving out the email. Well, <laughs> That's I, awesome. I can speak firsthand. I mean, having uh, moderated one of your panels recently, I 
And just seeing the reaction from the dozens of women in the room, it was really like you kind of get a little chills running up and down because it's it's really empowering to see women talk about their finances out loud and proudly and asking those tough questions. And the work that you guys do is just remarkable. So thank you for that on behalf yes. of your 12,000 women that you've helped. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Just let's make it 12 million though. We have, I mean, every, every woman can benefit from, you know, being smart about our money. So we have, at least in my opinion, we have a lot of work to do. Well, Stacey, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And again, the website is SavvyLadies.org. Is that right? Yep. You got it. Awesome. Wow. Yes. Thank you. We enjoyed having you on. I hope well, I never you. have to call and ask you for divorce advice. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not too. And if you talk about your money with your, you know, your spouse and you have those financial date nights, I can pretty much guarantee you won't. Do you have a hotline for women who talk about it too much though? Cause that's my problem. <laughs> I need help. Yeah. Can you imagine if you were married to me? I mean, between, you know, the three of us on this, uh, you know, on this podcast, essentially that's what our lives are. So yep. <laughs> we would like never have any fun. It would just be counting <laughs> and budgeting. No, no, no. You need someone to balance it out for sure. Yes, yes we, do. we do. We have to put our calculators away. Yes. <laughs> Well, let's wrap things up with our usual spiel on how you can get in touch with us. Yes. So you can tweet us at the BA Podcast. Find us on Facebook, Brown Ambition. Uh, email us, please, your questions. We have some excellent questions lined up for next week. Uh, we'd love more of your questions. You can find us or email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Dot com. All right, ladies, have a great rest of your week and we'll uh, chat with you, chat with you, see you, talk later next week. See you next week. Cad cast with you. We'll cast with you next week. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a great day. All right. right, bye -bye. Bye. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs>